0: Monday, it's March 9th, and the word of the day is hippopotomonstrosis Monstrosis which means an irrational fear of extremely long words, and also pretentious verbose assholes like myself. I won't use it in a sentence, just in case we've got any hippopotamonstrosis quipedaleophobics in the audience. It's my third favorite phobia behind metamalicophobia, the fear of flaccid penises, and defecoloesia oesiophobia, the fear of painful bowel movements. I'm no illusions. I'm Heath Enright. And broadcasting, delayed, from America's far center, we... ...are the Skeptocrats. On episode 5, Ferguson, Missouri defends against allegations of institutional racism by asking if you can really trust a Department of Justice run by a Negro. A New Jersey town takes action after finding hydrogen hydroxide in their water system. House Republicans will get the EPA the best science money can redact. And the GOP (laughs) considers running Ben Carson as a token of their esteem. But first, the Duo Tribe.
1: Mark loves the show. He loves The Scathing Atheist, too. He left it a great review. He even voted for it in the podcast awards at podcastawards.com. And he loves this show, too, when we talk about things that uh, we know about, but not when we talk about things
0: we don't know about. And as it turns out, through some improbable mutual vacancy in our collective educations, the things we don't know about line up exactly with the things Mark disagrees with us about. Hmm. He writes, quote, When you guys talk about most subjects... You're pretty rational. But when it comes to libertarianism, you buy into the silliest stereotypes and pass along the derision uncritically. End quote. Yes, but
1: not end email, because there were eleven paragraphs. I actually counted eleven paragraphs <laughs> in defense of that basic thesis, but we'll spare you the details. That's basically
0: <laughs> mostly because almost none of them had anything to do with anything we actually said, did, or implied at all. Anywhere I, in the I didn't I didn't call it a tantrum. I didn't say you called it a tantrum. That's because I didn't. But that's the crux of his argument. You, you seem like a reasonable guy. You disagree with me on this point. You must not know anything about it. Right. Well, he actually said at one point, "I don't understand why so so many
1: otherwise reasonable people refuse to understand this." Those were his exact words. Hello. When all the reasonable people you know disagree with you, your first reaction shouldn't be honing your powers of
0: persuasion here. You should back off for a second and say, maybe. It might also be that people have thought it through and rejected it, and they're reasonable, and you're not quite as much. Now, I'm very willing to concede that striving towards a libertarian ideal is a very reasonable goal in many cases. We should want as much freedom of choice as possible in lots of things. We should want a guarantee of civil liberties. But those don't get protected without taking away the freedom to choose say not serving blacks in restaurants telling someone to go start a no whites allowed restaurant isn't really a solution to that right but if you talk to these ideologically committed libertarians they act like there can never be market
1: forces in favor of discrimination either that or or worse they just don't care that there are probably right. why you don't see a lot of libertarians coming from minority populations or
0: you know people who have missed meals in general so yes it's very logical to consider libertarian principles as part of one's political philosophy but taken as a full-blown Ideology, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's like saying, I think no is generally the correct answer. The logical
1: extreme is an impossible
0: fantasy. Right. So libertarianism should, it should really be treated like a, I don't know, a zoo type of thing. It's okay to look at it and think about its significance in history and even take pictures, but no touching. Big glass <laughs> right. partition. When you're a kid, you want to get right up next to it. That's fine. That's fine. That's cool. <laughs> I understand that. But when you grow up, it becomes a lot less compelling for most people.
1: Right. And look, I get the appeal of libertarian ideology
0: because, look, I'm white, I'm college educated, it would probably kick ass for me. (laughs) Right. And it does make sense when applied to, say, theoretical microeconomics and hypothetical universes with nothing but guns and butter. It's great for that. But when you stop thinking in terms of a single person trying to make money or a single firm trying to make money and consider the principles of macroeconomics, like monetary policy, for example, it's clear that central organization of some sort – is at least sometimes necessary. Yep, or maybe even always. But, like,
1: when you're sitting in a dorm room shit-faced on microbrews and doing a, you know, I've-never-been-fucked-in-the-ass-by-life math, there aren't any starving old people on the ledger. You can set aside this data and plausibility shit in favor of well-armed utopianism and an irrational belief in the
0: inherent goodness of the free market. Okay, and that's, that's fantastic for you, the free market, but just, uh... Quick review: The free market still trades in human beings, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Despite the fact that we have regulatory efforts to the contrary, we tried to stop that; it still happens. The free market is not very good. It can't say build an efficient road system, or electricity grid, or a water delivery system, or create the internet. Uh, The free market can't educate a society. It can't protect the environment. It can't put out fires very well. It can't protect against theft of property or enforce contracts or any of the stuff rich people need for being wealthy to matter, and for them to stay that way. Right. And the key here is
1: that even a little bit of libertarianism is the wrong direction in most situations. The reason the regulations and laws were there in the first place is because somebody found a loophole in the social contract and started fucking it. We, you, we, we don't add regulations because everything's just doing
0: spiffy. <laughs> yeah. The market often sucks. Invisible hands caused the depression. Yes. And real hands fixed it. The worst economic crashes in American history were immediately preceded by highly deregulated banking sectors and a speculative bubble. Hmm. And they were immediately followed by a government-coordinated solution that absolutely had to happen, like the New Deal. Well, maybe or not immediately, more recently, but... when the government saved the entire banking sector from completely collapsing. Had the market been allowed to continue on its whatever they, you know, natural path of sometimes wildly volatile equilibria, that would have meant complete meltdown of U.S. financial institutions, and therefore an international financial meltdown right, as well. Yes. And all that would have been so much worse if we stuck with libertarianism completely and Wh- our government. Which
1: is why libertarian arguments are so quick to retreat to the theoretical, to get out of the real world. But as soon as you start layering in, in reality,
0: all you have left is a snappy slogan. What? Snappy slogan. You mean right? Everyone do whatever you want and it'll work out. Really? That's your so. Why would you ever think that's a good idea? How would that um, m- microbrews and not being fucked in the ass <laughs> okay. by life. Well, there those you go. Combination. So of those. libertarians, they kind of want the world to operate like a perfectly fair game of Monopoly, and they seem to think it actually does in some cases. And everyone tries to win, and that's great. But in reality. Every time someone loses, they starve to death, maybe. If the penalty for going bankrupt in Monopoly was dying in real life, there'd be a <laughs> right. lot more collectivist sharing strategies going on in that game. A lot of just-in-cases. Yeah, and if one asshole started winning by too much, everyone would be very much justifiably ganging up on them and forcing them to share. Right, and it's worth pointing out that in order for this game to work at all, there have
1: to be losers, right? Right. So the penalty for losing has to be conciliatory enough that the
0: losers don't say, fuck this game and take the other right. guy's We're shit. we flip the board over eventually. Right. And most importantly, at the core of it, libertarianism in its pure form is blatantly self-contradictory. Society can't maximize their liberty units without making sure the resources are allocated somewhat equitably. Right? Laissez-faire markets don't lead to that solution. That's two of the fundamental tenets of libertarianism. Maximum liberty and lack of market interference. And they directly conflict. And and the appeal is that sometimes our policy is just so shitty that
1: doing nothing looks good in comparison. You know, if the choice is leeches or a praying shaman, the shaman may be the better choice, but that doesn't make his magic real. Travis? Yes, uh uh-huh. Hi, I'm Noah. This is
2: my colleague Heath. Pleasure to meet both of you. Right
0: on. Have a seat. You want a, a coffee or anything? Uh No, no, thank you. All right. Excellent. Your email said you'd be willing to travel for the position. Is that correct?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh huh. Good. Good. Most of the work's in Scotland. Oh, I can handle that certainly. All right. Excellent.
0: And have you obfuscated before?
2: Have I? Have I what? Obfuscated. Have I? I I'm. I'm not sure I understand the question.
0: We're looking for a professional obfuscator, and I'm trying to assess your experience with obfuscation.
2: Oh, uh, well, I'm sorry. I, I suppose that's not a question that I was considering as a uh, possibility. I, I, I didn't um uh, think... I, I, don't, I don't think he's the right guy for the job. Dude, he's obfuscating right now. Oh, right.
1: Very clever,
0: Travis. I see what you did there.
1: I'm sorry. What did I do there? You can stop obfuscating now. He gets it.
0: Yeah. No, I got it. And uh, do you have any experience... Intimidating farmers or elderly couples.
2: Why would I have experience at that? So that's a no. Yes. All right. Um,
0: do you have any allergies or physical limitations that would restrict you from working with aquatic dinosaurs? What
1: plesiosaurs aren't uh, aren't dinosaurs? Whatever. No, no, we'll get emails, Fine. trust me. Aquatic plesiosaurs. All plesiosaurs are aquatic, though. Will you just
2: let me do the interview? What's so, sorry, sorry. No, it's yours. Look, may- maybe it would help if you explained what this position is all about. Well, we represent a
0: certain hyper-secretive cabal that secretly rules the world through a combination of sacred geometry, secret societies, and unnecessarily elaborate ruses. I don't think I have to mention its name. It's, you can it's imagine, the Illuminati. Dude! Oh, sorry. Anyway... Noah and I have been heading up the Loch Ness Monster Obfuscation Department of this unnamed group for the last couple of years, but now that our disinformation vehicle's in full swing, we need somebody else to hold the blur filter for us.
2: The what? The
0: blur filter. Has to be between Nessie and the photographers every time she surfaces from any angle. Blur filter. Well, why? Do you have any idea the kind of mass panic that would set in if people learned there was a plesiosaur alive in Scotland? None I would imagine, but what if that plesiosaur was homosexual?
2: Well, if there's just a one plesiosaur, I don't understand how it could and be.
0: plays bass for a nickelback cover band
2: you know that i don't be... you know I think you're right I don't think this is the job for me. this seems um weird,
0: okay, well, needless to say you're going to need to forget everything we just talked about.
2: I'm certainly going to try.
0: And as far as you know, there's no such thing as the Loch Ness
1: Monster. You got it. Sure. And Aristotle Onassis definitely didn't kill JFK to free up Jack.
2: Dude, what I said what he we- didn't. Look, I really need to do anything but stay here. But it was it was a pleasure meeting both of you.
0: Meeting who? You never met either
2: of us. Gotcha.
0: Joining me for headlines tonight is fellow skeptic rat, no illusions. Noah, I'm told it's an honor just to be nominated. Is that true in your experience? Only if you don't win. (laughs) Sounds about right. So before we get to our first headline, let's check in with Twitter to see what those infinite monkeys are up to, see if they're done with that play. They're not. nonetheless, trending this week was hashtag change a word, ruin a 90s song. No, would you like to play or pass? I, I think I got one. How about "Fell on Black Kids"? <laughs> nice, or just Soundgarden. Well done. All right. uh Technically, I'm changing a word plus a letter on this one, but I think it should still count. I'm going with "Sell My Baby One More Time." Just to make sure that mine wasn't the worst song. See, I was going to use
1: "Elderly Woman Behind a Stripper Pole in a Small Town," but <laughs> according to spell check, "Stripper Pole" is two words. So. <laughs>
0: Well done. And this week's random stranger winner was at Ms. Alia, who went with Smells Like Teen Pregnancy. So well played, Ms. <laughs> Ms.
1: Alia. You indeed ruined it. I'll have to hand it to her. That does smell... uh Delicious. Now, yeah. before we start the headlines, I wanted to offer a quick correction to a story we ran last week. We talked about Scott Walker's public education budget and a quirky bit of language that removed requirements right. for the reporting of rape statistics on university campuses. Uh, the day that episode aired, we learned that that was done by the university's request so as not to duplicate ongoing efforts. So, no, Scott Walker <laughs> is not pro-campus rape, as previous reports might have suggested. Well, well to be fair, we don't know that either. Well, that's we... true. He, I don't think he's come out and said. So, no evidence currently exists to to our knowledge, of Scott Walker's position on campus rape. Up in the air. In our lead
0: story tonight, the Department of Justice recently released a 105-page report detailing their investigation into civil rights abuses by the Ferguson Police Department and Municipal Court System. You may have heard of this place in the news recently. And the findings overwhelmingly confirmed suspicions following the Michael Brown shooting you also might have heard about that... Racial prejudice was prevalent among the city's law enforcers. And while that particular tragic incident may have been unrelated to racism, uh, both sides have certainly been argued, there were plenty of racist specifics in plenty of other cases to definitely justify those suspicions about the city in the first place. Exactly. If we're going to give Ferguson a score on a scale of 1 to 10, say with 10 being extremely racist, they'd fall right around... Antebellum 1860.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah, exactly. Which means that if Wilson wasn't motivated by racism, he's being victimized by the bigots he shared his department with as well. Right,
0: awful. So, yeah, terrible or terrible. And to help us decide which, here's a depressing review of some key issues uncovered by the investigation, starting with a few stats. The population of the city is about 70% black, and the police force is about 90% white, so... Not a great starting point right there. Could be some issues. When that group of officers decided to use physical force, 90% of the time it was on a black person. When that group of officers decided to stop and question someone or issue a citation or make an arrest, it was a black person far more often than you would expect by the population. And then when it came time for Ferguson's prosecutors and judges to get involved, they were also undeniably racist by the numbers.
1: Also – Terrible. And and, and this one speaks volumes, I think – If they were going to release a dog to attack someone, which they clearly did more often than police procedure would have demanded that they do, it was always... On a black person every single
0: time it was done. Now, to be fair, that's partially on dogs being racist. <laughs> but, but still, they call them canine officers, so that should that count counts. against their yes, stats. Exactly. Yeah. So the investigation also found that black people were more likely to be searched by police and less likely to be found with contraband, which, according to the report, means one of two both bad things. Quote, Either that officers' suspicion of criminal wrongdoing is less likely to be accurate when interacting with African Americans, or that officers are more likely to search African Americans without any suspicion of criminal wrongdoing. Either explanation suggests bias, yeah, end we quote. We might even clear. say demands bias. It's, you know, It's a shame that there
1: isn't a federal department overseeing the nation's police that could easily plug these <laughs> known statistics into a spreadsheet that would warn That'd them of helpful. clear signs of civil rights violations they could address before cities explode
0: in predictable powder kegs of protest. This, this Holder guy idea. seems to know
1: this shit. They, they could put him in charge of it.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> just in case you were thinking the racism might be accidental or subconscious it is absolutely not stop thinking that. (laughs) right turns out several of these bigots with guns and badges were sending racist emails around the office uh, unaware that those things are often traceable by law enforcement and despite all the comedic genius you might assume they'd have over at ferguson pd the jokes weren't even slightly funny so just to give you one such ignorant example an email from 2008 suggested obama wouldn't stay in office very long because quote what black man holds a steady job for four years? End quote. Oh, I, yeah, I, I hilarious. Get it. So how'd that prediction work out, asshole? Guaranteed, whoever wrote that email loses their job long before Obama leaves office. I'm pretty <laughs> sure yeah, that's how that's so. going to work. Speaking of which, President Obama may or may not have come back with this email as a response. Dear Ferguson PD. What's the difference between Darren Wilson and a pepperoni pizza? Oh, shit. Pizza can feed a family of four. That's right. Now, I'm just kidding about him, but seriously, (laughs) you guys are all about to get fired. Yeah,
1: you guys, though. And in these bills suck compared to the ones in Buffalo News tonight. House Republicans are hard at work once again serving the American people by telling them scienceonomy majors how to science. (laughs) There are two egregious bills scheduled for consideration by the House tomorrow that seem to be competing with one another for how thoroughly they can sodomize scientific progress. Yeah, they're good men. And thorough. <laughs> and thorough.
0: As you'll find out.
1: The first bill, dubbed the Secret Science Reform Act, seeks to prohibit the EPA from using science that includes private data or data that can't be easily reproduced. Lamar Smith, (laughs) the bill's sponsor, insists that it's designed to stop hidden and flawed science and that epidemiological studies, those based on personal medical information and all large-scale environmental studies or large-scale studies
0: of any kind are just collateral damage, (laughs) necessary sacrifice. (laughs) So they're saying we couldn't use, say satellite data for anything because every citizen doesn't have their own satellite to double-check NASA on their math, really? Basically,
1: yes. Now, the second and possibly even worse bill is aimed at keeping experts off the EPA's Science Advisory Board and replacing them with industry shills. (laughs) While it does back off the language from last year's iteration that actually forbids scientists from testifying about their own research, the end goal of diminishing the EPA's access to valid science remains. But the good news is, though, is that even if this passes through the House, to be considered in the Senate it would have to get past the chair of the senate environmental committee that would be james looky here global warming i found me a
0: snowball in hawk. Yeah, so we safe. should be yeah,
1: yeah. Right.
0: so with more on this story we turn to roving reporter lucinda Lusions, who is live at the office of oklahoma republican frank lucas who sponsored this science advisory board reform act lucinda how's the mood over there
3: Well, before we get started, Heath, I wanted to thank you for not sending me to our war zone, a disease-ridden theme park, or an office full of rapists. (laughs) You are welcome. That
0: Mm. last thing doesn't really exist, thankfully, but still your point is well taken. That's why we sent you somewhere awesome like Oklahoma. So what are the experts saying about the bill's chances there? Well, Heath, Frank Lucas
3: practices what he preaches, so there are no experts here.
0: Huh. Doesn't he have congressional staff that advises him? Sure, but he doesn't use experts. What does he use?
3: Well, his legislative director is an illiterate vagrant. His chief of staff is a heroin-addicted ex-carny. His communications director doesn't speak English. And his press secretary is a fish.
0: Well, I suppose that explains a lot about his legislative initiatives. But why does he surround himself with such incompetent advisors
3: on purpose like that? Conflicts of interest, Heath. People who know about things have a vested interest in the outcomes, making them unfairly biased. Biased toward what? Being correct, Heath. Like many Republicans, Oklahomans, and Americans in general, Frank Lucas is fed up with the tyranny of facts. If we constrain ourselves entirely to facts, the wrong decision often doesn't even get a chance.
0: Okay, so what are Lucas's in-experts saying about the bill's chances?
3: Well, Larry says my car's broken down, but I can mail you the money when I get home. Toe Jam says far out, and then he asked me if I took antidepressants. Uh, Unapem says something that sounded like far bitches, some whole cheese. And Captain Peanut is a fish.
0: I see. Well, has there been any kind of, I don't know... uh,
3: No, I'm not asthmatic, and even uh, if I was, you couldn't use my huffer. Sorry, (laughs) Heath.
0: Um, no problem. <laughs> Always willing to wait for a Meet the Feebles reference. So I was asking what kind of opposition Lucas's bill is meeting on the Hill.
3: Well, some critics have suggested that it's an effort to take the teeth out of the EPA, uh, but I can assure you that is not the case.
0: How can you be so certain?
3: Because the EPA doesn't have any teeth.
0: <laughs> I see. Very good point. So in your estimation, what's the goal of this legislation then? To take the gums out of the EPA. <laughs> Gotcha. Thanks, as always,
1: Lucinda. I
3: already told you I don't have any change. Quite welcome, Heath.
1: And from the fix of facts that fucks the folks at Foxfile tonight, <laughs> Google is discussing the possibility of adjusting their search engine to rank websites based on trustworthiness and accuracy of information rather than by site popularity. A suggestion that left the people at Fox News freaking the <laughs> fuck out. We're
0: going to get screwed on this. No way.
1: They didn't <laughs> mean to announce how they're going to do it. We're going to be at the bottom every time. I think so. Dubbing the proposal scary and possibly censorship, their correspondents <laughs> asked who Google is to decide what
0: is and isn't worthy of internet <laughs> right. traffic. But shouldn't the free market capitalists over at Fox want... Google to be able to choose whatever the fuck they want as the criteria for well, ranking search results should. or doing whatever they want yeah, in so any business decision. This suggestion is a
1: very welcome one as research increasingly shows that the intermingling of fact and fabrication is having a negative effect on the average person's knowledge and opinion of science. And using the power that Google already wields with a bit more you know, focus on social responsibility is something impossible to criticize unless, of course, your job is to <laughs> misinform the public. <laughs> A la Fox News. <laughs> and in dentally challenged news tonight... though. Whoa, ma- whoa, whoa. Crown syndrome, please. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't want to be offensive. The mayor of East Brunswick, New Jersey, has tired all that damn cavity avoidant and tooth having that the government has foisted upon his constituents with what he deemed, quote, mass medication of the public by the use of fluoride in the water system, end quote. Now, despite staunch opposition from all the people the town pays to know about water, city officials <laughs> voted to end the practice altogether. How is this even happening, though?
0: I thought the Illuminati were using the fluoride to mind-control people to keep the fluoride. Isn't right. that the whole point exactly. of the thing? To continue being extremely wealthy by selling all the fluoride. But if the stuff can't even keep a Jersey town docile enough to keep drinking the docility poison, it doesn't really make any sense, <laughs> Yeah, what kind
1: of sheepo are you, anyway?
0: And from the Uncle Ben's cabinet file tonight, Ben Carson is considered by many doctors to be the Michael Jordan of neurosurgery. But now that he's retired from a long, very successful career in medicine to take up a career in conservative politics, he's more like the Michael Jordan of baseball in his new field. (laughs) Right. Despite having exactly zero experience holding public office, Carson announced last week that he's formed an exploratory committee to consider a presidential bid in 2016. (laughs) He also just announced that gay prison sex proves... Homosexuality is a choice. That's right. Quote, a lot of people who go into prison, go into prison straight, and when they come out, they're gay. Did something happen while they were in there? Ask yourself that question. End quote. So, yeah. (laughs) Go ahead, everybody. Ask yourself. Ask yourself that question. Because when you think prison sex, you think uncoerced right i mean yeah would you like to be my bitch check this box (laughs) maybe right (laughs) so carson's statement is clearly grossly ignorant on several different levels but it probably did help him attract certain swaths of the republican base so maybe it made sense for a second in some weird depressing strategic sense but then he made it even worse by apologizing for the comment which obviously didn't work so now nobody likes him uh Exploratory Committee, are you guys getting all this? <laughs> right,
1: Listen, right. Well, and I mean, his apology was almost as bad as the whole thing he was apologizing for. He basically said... I'm sorry if the words I chose to describe my antiquated, unscientific, naked bigotry offended you. I should have described it with better words. And then he went on to say, but at least we can all agree that transgendered aren't humans. Am I right? Am I right, guys? <laughs> this
0: guy knows. Gal knows. that per- They know. They know. So as you might guess, based on his life experience of a whole bunch of medicine and no politics, Ben Carson is... Way better at separating Siamese twins conjoined at the head than he is at choosing words during political speeches. If this helps put it in perspective, Glenn Beck called the gay prison sex remark, quote, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Dumbest thing Glenn Beck has ever heard. Which puts it high on the run for the dumbest thing anyone's ever heard. Yes, It's not even Carson's best material, though. Here's a few more things that the presidential hopeful has said that those guys on that committee might want to explore before they start soliciting bribes from the Koch brothers right away let's start with Martin Luther King day of this year when Carson declared Barack Obama not black enough to count as the first black president mm-hmm. he also once suggested that Obamacare is the worst thing to happen in America since slavery and then suggested Obamacare is slavery a few moments later. Well, but so, no, I get this. Because if you look at it biblically,
1: right, if slaves have good health care, their masters can just beat them constantly without it ever becoming a sin. You know, they'll always recover a couple of days later. So it would be bad for the
0: slave. I I get where he's going with that one. And finally from Carson, let's not forget the statement that got him temporarily listed as a homophobic extremist by the SPLC and also permanently placed on a similar list by our law center, in which he likened homosexuals to members of NAMBLA and practitioners of bestiality. Yes. So with all that in mind and in light of his statement about straight people choosing gay prison sex, we started thinking about what this guy's porn shelf it's got to look like. And, and then we stopped thinking about it. Yes, the good, good. wisely outsourced it. Right. Now, unfortunately,
1: because of the show's success, we've been advised by our legal counsel to stop using unpaid, underage Guatemalan orphan refugees to write uh, material for us. So we had to let them go. <laughs> so we put our team of Underpaid underage Guatemalan orphan refugees to the task of brainstorming new titles for Ben Carson's disturbing collection of bestiality-themed gay-inducing jailhouse porn. <laughs> yes, we
0: did, and uh, we left out the Nambla part just because we're classy like that. Yes, exactly. So, whose gay bestiality <laughs> jail porn would you like to hear first? If I'd had a dollar for every time I've been asked that question, let's go with Guillermo. All right. Guillermo had the Lizard of Oz. There's no place like Homo Box Office. <laughs> nice. we'll went with. Big Gay Alcatraz, Big Gay Animal Sanctuary. Fuck Between the Rock and a Hard Place. Nice, <laughs> nice. And as
1: long as it doesn't have Nicolas Cage in it, it wouldn't be the worst Alcatraz <laughs> movie, guaranteed. No, so, it would not. It. They've
0: <laughs> had Cell Mating Rituals, The Dog's Bounty on Brokeback Mount. I knew buying them all <laughs> that gay porn was going to pay off eventually. Uh, how about Carlos? Carlos had Gabius Corpus. Once you go orange... You're pretty much fucked. Don't do the crime if you can't do the rhyme. <laughs> Way to go, Carlos. That's clever. And I want to Gabriella come up with. <laughs> Gabriella had the Poshank Redemption. Crawl through a river of shih tzu and come out queen on the other side. <laughs> Leave
1: it to her to one up the level of horror and add a fecophilia <laughs> angle. That girl knows her shit. I love it. <laughs>
0: And that's going to do it for episode seven. Thanks to No Illusions for all the researching, writing, recording, editing, and general doing of all this stuff. Thanks to his lovely wife, Lucinda, for dropping some science on a flyover state. And thanks to all the listeners that liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, and sent us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening, and please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our... Giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, please feel free to send us gifts of money at our donation page at patreon.com slash skeptocrat. Just like Bryce, Paul, Jay, Grant, Flying Skeptic, Gerard, Jimmy, Bram, and 601, whose lives are so goddamn interesting, they get royalties from that Doseckis guy. And whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent like those fine people, if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy and you like to hear more unsolicited dick jokes free of charge, check out our podcast award-nominated sister show, The Scathing Atheist, available on iTunes, Stitcher, or directly from scathingatheist.com. Fans of the show can vote for us once a day at podcastawards.com through March 24th at 9 p.m. Eastern. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that penis Special thanks to Public Defender Rhodes, Ryan Slotnick of Evil Drafts on Mars. He is the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with his permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide or by Googling the only band called Evil Drafts on Mars. Until next week, catchphrase sign-off.
1: My mother gave me that penis.